Welcome, everyone, to Dead Talk Live. Tonight, our special guest is Leah Letterman, writer, editor. Leah, how you doing? Perfect. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for being our guest. And let's get right to it. Okay. Now, uh, what I usually do, of course, it's kind of hard not to with my usual array of guests and not knowing their work. I sort of came into this interview of course, I've got my research department and they do a lot of work and I have my notes, but I wanted to come into this sort of with a blank slate. I know you are the editor of Cafe Macabre, and mm-hmm. I know that it's a collection of short stories that's in a novel. And correct me if I'm wrong, they were all written by women? That's correct, yep. Okay, great. So tell us about Cafe Macabre. Now, there's a second book, too, Cafe Macabre 2, correct? Yeah, I didn't get real creative with that. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you are the editor, and it's a collection of stories from different women. Now, the women who submit these stories, are they published editors? How do you go about the criteria of picking these women out? That's a, that's a really good question because it kind of formed the basis of this whole collection, um, both of them. It's, uh, yeah, they're short stories and artwork by women because um, each short story was accompanied by a piece of artwork, which is kind of cool, um, also by female artists. So what I did um, was because I had access to so many horror authors through my editing, I just had this thought of like, I really need to get these voices together. Because this is so good, what I have in my computer, you know, these women from different parts of the country, um, and I wanted to get them together. So initially, I had um, Casey Pierce, Stephanie Menard, and, and two other gals who were all horror authors. And I liked what they had going on, but I also had this thought, because... I hate coming onto a horror show and, and admitting that I am not a horror aficionado by any means. Oh, let me tell <laughs> just, you, let me tell you, I have interviewed yeah. actors, actresses, okay. even filmmakers who are not horror aficionados. So don't worry about that. Okay. Um, because yeah, I was just, I'm a word of mouth, mouth editor. So, you know, one horror author, then another, then another. So I went kind of back to my roots where I just knew some women who were writers. And I said, hey, I have an idea. I want you to write me some horror. And um, I liked that because it went beyond, you know, your your usual tropes mm-hmm. of horror, the trappings. They didn't know the rules. They were just writing about what frightened them. <clears throat> and then in all honesty, I didn't really have a submission process. This was all by invitation. Um, and some of the women, just a few, I threw in, kind of sprinkled in weren't even necessarily writers. They were women I knew who were very creative, very mm-hmm. strong. And I'm an editor. I'm a writing instructor. I figured I can pull it out of you if I have to. And turns out I didn't have to. Um, it was like these women were just like waiting to spill onto the page. So some are horror authors, some are just writers, and some were just strong personalities and with a lot of creative energy that I wanted to tap into. Now, did you, you sort of uh, touched on this a little bit. You had all these stories on your computer. 
Now, when the idea for the book came to you, did you have enough material to publish the book? Or did you have just enough stories and put the word out there and say, hey, I need stories. I'm putting a book together. How did that come about? Yeah, that, that's, um, I emailed, I don't know how many people I originally emailed, but I would say just shy of 20 people. And I said, hey, I'm going to put this book together. What do you think? <laughs> and, you know, some of them, uh, they were largely positive, but then as it kind of, you know, when it got real, <laughs> some of them weren't able to for whatever reason or just said they couldn't. So it ended up dwindling down to, oh my gosh, I, it's confusing because there's some people wrote more than one story, uh-huh. but <laughs> so I'm trying to think of the actual number. There's a total of 20 women, artists and writers in this first book here. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say, I don't know what, what statistic that is. Well, you don't need the, yeah, the exact number, but, uh, like in Cafe, Cafe Macabre, the first book, uh, it looks like there's a lot of stories in there. Approximately how many stories are in the first book? There are 14, two, four, six, wow. eight, it's the, excuse, I know I should know this. <laughs> it's 13 in the first one and 14 in the second one because I start getting them mixed up. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's 13 in this one, which is kind of, you know, uh, on purpose. Um, this one, it started off with 13 and ended up having one ad- added to it as a result of the Kickstarter. So, awesome. um, yeah, no, that was that was really exciting. The whole thing has been. So how did the title Cafe Macabre come to you? <laughs> That's another, it was actually, it was a working title. I was like, I don't know, it's just kind of like a female horror anthology. And because I had kind of mentioned, you know, the, these stories that were in my inbox and on my computer, I, I just had this idea of, um, you know, these voices coming mm-hmm. together and, and talking to each other. So I was like, you know, it's like in a coffee house, you know, cafe, cafe macabre. Yeah. And so that was just kind of my working title until somebody said, you know, that's a really good title. <laughs> I just hadn't really thought of it that way. And then it of course, is a great title. Thank you. I just think it's funny because for me, it was like, just like, oh, this silly thing. Oh, cafe macabre. <laughs> it hadn't occurred to me that. That was actually a really good name. So now I'm happy, and it was so good that I didn't approve, improve on it in the least <laughs> for the second collection. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Now, you're the editor. You put all these stories together. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you also publish it, or did you find a publisher? How did that process work? Well, you know, that was kind of one of those, like, uh, <laughs> follow me, ye women. <laughs> We're just going to pile forward and do this um and they trusted me and I think I had gone into the first one fully prepared to just self-publish and um as it happened you know the kickstarter was wildly successful and um we were picked up by source point press uh which is really exciting because they are huge especially at least in you know horror and comics and and things of, of interest um so they published the first volume. Um, when it came to the second volume, it had just become clear that they were more of a comics publishing house than prose. And mm-hmm. like it wasn't like a feelings kind of thing. It was just like, 
they're used to doing a run of comics, which costs, you know, what per comic. And then I've got this 200 page book yeah. and they're like, we can't do this. They didn't say any of that. They were very kind, <laughs> but I got the drift. <laughs> so you have, so, a, you got like a total of 27 stories. Uh, as you read these stories, um, are you looking at a particular story and you're like, wow, this is so good. It has the potential of becoming a film or a television show uh, if it's turned into a screenplay. Um, in all honesty, I I don't really look at things that way. It's mm -hmm. just not really my wheelhouse. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm a big reader, so yeah. I'm really into I'm really into it for the words and how they work on the page. Having said that, there are a few that I think like, oh, this this could be really cool. You know, I, I could I can really see the cinematic quality of that of this. And I've even said that to my writers. Like yeah. this is something, you know, it plays itself in your brain. Um, but again, to me as a writer it's and about the editor, words jumping out of the page. I just, yeah, I love the words. I like to see how they hit, how they line up, and how they take me away. So I don't think in the screenwriter sort of thing. It's on my list to take a screenwriting class and do that. But <laughs> for now, um, I was just, I was very interested in, in seeing seeing the sentences. Now, now I'm going to put you in a really difficult spot with this next question. <laughs> Out of those 27 <laughs> stories, all right, mm -hmm. if someone... Let's say you walked up to someone and you really want them to get hooked on this book. Which mm -hmm. of those 27 stories would you recommend they read? You want to, you want to, just one person and you want to mm -hmm. get them hooked on and get these two books and you have to mm -hmm. pick one out of 27 stories. Which one would you pick? <laughs> What's the title of it? <laughs> I know I put of, you on the spot. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm thinking of the scene from Princess Bride where I'm like, <laughs> I clearly cannot choose my own story. <laughs> I love <laughs> that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm taking my own stories off of the map. Okay. Um, I'll give, here's the caveat. There is a fan favorite. Um, which has showed up in, in multiple reviews, and that is my good friend Carrie McElroy's story, Steps, in the first volume. Okay. Um, I think, though, that this prose author, excuse me, poet-turned-prose author, Michelle Joy Gallagher-Soff, Soff, Soff, sorry, Michelle, I <laughs> she knows, she's, I, anyway, um, it's got some British pronunciation. Anyway, I think her story, Red Woman, it it just kind of blew me out of the water. It's got a really nice mixture, a little bit of history. Mm -hmm. It's got some gore. It was one of the gouged eyeballs. There were two separate gouged eyeballs, independent of one each other, and wow. um, one in each volume. Just random fact. Um, but I really liked, you know, he had that, a perfect amount of gore, history, storytelling, um, ghosty, resurrection-y kind of stuff. It, awesome. it was 
I think it was so so well layered that um, it's it at least it's one of my favorites, and I think it is representative of the kind of thing I was after. Nice. Now, I'm a big reader, not a big writer. I'm not a writer at all. I don't. I don't. I'm not a professional writer. Uh, gore is something that plays well on the screen. When it comes to, like you said er earlier, the words jumping out or, uh, at you from a page. I would think it's all about the character building, the psychological thriller that really keeps you on the edge of your seat, that terrifies you. Now, when we're looking at the stories in both these volumes, uh, you mentioned there is a fair amount of gore. But in your opinion, how does the gore uh, for you, how do they jump off the page for you when it comes to the gore parts of these stories? Uh, well, okay. One thing is, um, I think there's actually not a ton of gore in these stories. There was just a few choice moments and Michelle really nailed it. But so but when there is, um, it's <laughs> in one situation, it's because you, you kind of know something bad's going to happen, but you're not really sure what. Mm -hmm. And then this eyeball comes flying and you're like, Oh shit, are you kidding? And it comes out very creatively. So it, was, it was definitely like at one point in the editing process, we were discussing like the physics of it. Like what would the trajectory be? Would the implement be tensile enough? <laughs> we were really getting into this. So, um, so there was that. It was just such a like you knew something bad was going to happen. You didn't know what. Um, other moments. It's been, it's hard to do a gotcha like that in yeah. writing, which is why I think, that's why I think Michelle is, is so phenomenal because mm -hmm. she is able to do it. Um, but it, it's slower in writing. So she did a gotcha moment, but with this, it's kind of like, we're going to lead you into this and you can hear the violins playing. <laughs> you know, something creepy is going to go on, but um, you know, what's it going to be? And it was, Again, not as much gore. There were a few big moments, but it's like gross. There's a lot of gross. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot more of that. So how many? Um, in, oh, go on. Yeah, I was just I was trying to think of other gore moments, but um, it is. It's just slower. It just takes place on the on the page slower, which in some ways is I don't want to say more uncomfortable, but it's his, it's its own kind of discomfort. Because you're like, I don't want to be reading this. This is really, well, I don't want to see what's going to happen. That's, you know, <laughs> why books are, you know, it's two different mediums, whether it comes to television, film, and books. In books, you're allowed to build what would be the cinematography in your brain. You know, you're mm -hmm. allowed to build the scene based off the words that you're reading. And that's why, you know, it's it's a beautiful thing. How many of those stories were actually written by yourself? There are three in the first volume and two in the second. Now, when you uh, were working with these women, was it a collaboration to where they would write and halfway through a story, they may hit some writer's block and they would mm -hmm. come to you for advice or they, uh, they would write something and you know, ask for your opinion and you would give your feedback. Was it a collaborative effort? It definitely was more so with um, some writers. I mean, I needed it, frankly. So I was one of them was like, I don't know how to finish this. <laughs> um, some people said like, I've already got this story here. Check it out. 
And so I would give them, you know, give them just notes and feedback, but it was already there. That was mm-hmm. just you know, tremendous. <laughs> um, but there were definitely others where there was back and forth, especially in the first one, not as much in the second. Um, the whole idea with my cafe was I even wanted us as writers to work together a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, and also I'm a writing teacher. I had a peer review <laughs> and I quite I quite literally have like a sheet of like just four or five questions like here, would you read each other's work and get feedback? And it was so dorky, but it was really cool because we really did workshop. You know, I shouldn't say peer review. I should say workshop. We told each other like this really works. This wasn't as strong. Here's my questions. Um, Because as the editor, I wanted to make sure that it wasn't just my voice coming through because then it would just be Cafe Leah. And as wonderful as that sounds to me, um, I don't know if I quite have the following for that. So, um, yes, some of them were were much more collaborative. In the second volume, it was definitely a lot of back and forth between myself and writers. Um, You know, my story is going the other way. Like I had to send it to Michelle, send it to my sister and kind of say like, hey, how's this working? Um, so yeah, uh, um, some of the stories took more drafts, but it was definitely a sense of arriving. I want to think, although I don't want to ask, I would like to think that it was a, a rewarding process yeah. for each writer. Yeah. You know, like, this is not me just writing you because you're not writing the story. I want you to. This is me keeping at it because I think the story is not where it could be. Okay. So that yeah. that was kind of where I was at with it. I wanted it to be clearly your story. Yeah. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you, hey, maybe try this little tweak over here, that kind of thing. What was the biggest takeaway that you got from volume two that you learned when you put volume, sorry, from volume one, when you put volume two together? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, well, I learned how to do it faster. <laughs> I'd say like, don't do the peer reviews, <laughs> things like that. Or don't have a baby while you're in the middle of trying to put a book together. These were some lessons. <laughs> Cause I was like, Wow, Kathy McCobb too went so much faster. <laughs> um, so there was, you know, those kinds of things. Um, I think I had grown a lot as a writer as well and as an editor. So there was a lot. It was like the process of Kathy McCobb too. Kathy McCobb is what made Kathy McCobb too a lot easier. I had just, I just knew better the process. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew. Ugh, Okay, that's just that's a really good question. No one's ever quite posed it like that. Um, I think I was a lot more confident. Okay. Having, having, I mean, just like I said, I knew the process more and all that. But that whole thing I just talked about of guiding the writers to where I thought the story could be, you know, in, in the potential. I think I was I held back a lot more in Cafe Macabre, and you know, we we arrived there, but it was a much more what, in volume one or volume two in volume one it took longer because i did not have the confidence to say i really think that we could do this and this whereas in the second volume i was just much more hands-on yeah hands-on that's so much better than i was going to say like commandeering yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no i just i felt much more confident to get in the dirt with them yeah the 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 really bad word would be controlling. 
<laughs> I was trying not to say that one too. Yeah. I, I mean, again, like, I don't know if anyone, if they would ever just tell me I was because they were all pretty nice. We all had a nice time working together and enjoyed each other. But um, I hope no one felt that way. And ladies, sure. if you did, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sure everything is fine. The end product is, uh, it's what matters in, in the long run. Now you've been doing the, uh, you've been attending some horror conventions. Uh, is that true? Comic conventions, um, some more horror than others. I did take uh, this beautiful piece of work to um, Cherry Capital Comic Con in Traverse City for its um, debut. It had a Halloween debut, and um, I got to meet so many people that I've known only online for so long, people that I've worked with even. Um, so that was really cool. And I've been to Indie Comic Con, um, and I plan on going to some others kind of in the area around here, vaguely Midwest. I'm a little limited by travel. Um, but we've got, um, you know, we've got readings scheduled around here in Indianapolis and things like that. So Now, now when you came out with these books uh, and you started doing the, the conventions, was that your your introduction to any, any kind of convention? <clears throat> Not really, no. Um, again, through my editing work, um, I work with a lot of comic artists and writers. So I used to go to Indie Comic Con and hang out. I worked, I have worked with Dirk Manning for over 10 years. So I'd go and um, I met Casey Pierce at one of these Comic Cons. Um, she was one of the first people that I asked. Um, I met Stephanie Menard. You know, so I met a lot of these women at these comic cons and knew them as comic authors. Um, so yeah, I was familiar. I was familiar with it more it, or less. It's so. a great place uh, to network, uh, meet people that have similar interests to you. It really is a great place. Uh, and beyond just going there and having fun with the vendors and seeing all the the costumes and listening to the guests. It's a great place to socialize, network, and meet other people who share the same passion as you do. How was the reception um, to the books at the convention? Uh, was it better than you expected? Underwhelming? Okay. Um, the When I went to Indie Comic Con, I was there with Carrie McElroy, um, and she is um, <clears throat> a really fantastic writer, and she has a graphic novel series a web comic um called regarding dandelions and she's a better writer than me so i actually hate her um <laughs> we tabled together and it was kind of amazing to me you know i have these books set up and how many people would just kind of stop in their tracks they would be walking along and they would see it and they would stop and they would come over and maybe even if they didn't come over, they would slow down and they would look at it. Mm -hmm. And that is because the cover art here is by Kaylin Smith, um, who does for goodness sake and hope among others and plume. And then this one is here by Emily Zalasco. I, I really love that cover. She is so incredible when when she when I asked her to do the cover, like it was one of those things where like I sent the email and then just like tried not to sit at my computer all day. Like 
And then, you know, when I saw the response, like I didn't want to click on it right away. <laughs> I had to like, you know, and, and she did. And it's actually, there's like a weird little aside, a personal note on the cover. If you look at it closely, which you won't be able to hear, obviously, but you know, it's, it's a forest, there's a skeleton and each of the books, um, every item on the cover is from one of the stories. I have mm-hmm. the women pick out an, you know, an emblem from their story, but she's got this little forest with a tea party and there's doilies on the trees. Wow. And I crap you not. I'm that's like, so I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> it's a Midwest thing. I know. I've never said I crap you not before. Um, my mom literally does that. She takes like teacups, and doilies and puts them on old dead trees and takes pictures of them. And Emily didn't know this, but she did it. And it was like, Oh my gosh. So it was, it was like just beyond satisfying to see how perfectly, you know, we hit the nail on the head. So it was really exciting. Now moving forward, uh, do you think there's going to be a volume three somewhere down the line? (laughs) Well, the reason the second one happened is because before the first one had even gone to Kickstarter, two people had asked me if I was doing a second one. And I, at that time, was kind of like, <laughs> no, don't even, no, you know. Um, and then uh, another gal, Lila, Allison Spooner, who's in Cafe Macabre 2, I respect so much. And I was like, oh, man, she wants to work on this. Oh, man. And then Lila Ann Musselman, she's a, like, multiple Pushcart nominee, you know, like, oh, my gosh, how can I say no? So I, I did it. Yeah. I twisted my arm. Now, with the third one, potential one, <clears throat> I haven't heard anything. <laughs> I haven't heard much. So, like, I'm kind of like, well, no one's biting just yet. Um I have, when was the second one released? It was pup. It was. It just dropped October thirty-first. Oh, okay, so it just, it's, it's just a couple new. of weeks, brand new. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, one what? writer artist that I know, he said, "Oh, you got to go for the hat trick." Um, and I'm not quite so sure yet. I do feel like I said I'm so much more confident now. <laughs> That, you know, I, I could whip a bad boy out, you know, in, in a year, but it it's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. It's a, I mean, I can, I can imagine. Would you consider for volume three doing something a little different than you did in volume one or volume two? That was something I had considered was, well, like, what if I didn't do horror? What if I chose a different genre or what if I chose a theme I, I thought about that kind of a thing. Um, and, you know, I just, at this point, I'm like, I'm not ruling anything out, but I'm also very much not committing to anything, especially not on a recorded interview. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when it comes to the stories, you said there was three of them that you wrote. Um, what was your inspiration? You're, you said you're not a, a horror fan. Um so what did you use for inspiration to put your stories together? Well, I, it, well, it's not that I'm a, not a horror fan. It's that I'm a huge scaredy cat. Like, yes, yes. Like, I, I, I'm married I to one, I know. Okay, okay. Like, <laughs> when, when we had a, a, a washer and dryer in the basement, I did not do laundry after dark. Like, that, that's how I am. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I had the first story was already kind of written in my head because when we moved into this house, I absolutely felt something run by me that wasn't there. And I, and I was editing, of course, I was laying on the floor, scrawling away. And I looked up at my, I didn't, I looked in the direction where like the trajectory of the wind had gone. There was nothing there. I looked back over at my cat and her eyes were like, bing. <laughs> and, you know, that terrified me. And still in that same area, there's a photo frame that always gets knocked over. Um, so, so all was, the elements were there just to creep that crap out of you. Yeah, so there was that. And I focused on that for my first story, which is just, it's flash fiction. It opens the whole book. And I just kind of turned, and here's like one of the things, like the themes, you know, the, these books, it's what women fear and how they write about it. Mm -hmm. We have houses, our houses are haunted, okay. But this house was trying to protect the woman. And so, you know, there's just kind of different spins on things yeah. like different women we come at it a little bit differently mm -hmm. um and uh so but then there's more <laughs> because in my backyard there is a bed of daffodils that i shit you not i'll say it there there you go it, it's in it's better a bed of daffodils it's in the shape of a coffin <laughs> and, and my husband he came to me and was like, did you see that better daffodil? And I was like, I know. So that became the... That was like that when you got the house? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Plus, I had the weird, creepy wind thing. Mm -hmm. frame. And then there's one last layer to this, which is when we talk to our neighbor down the street. And this is like quite literally a conversation in one of the stories. I'm talking to the neighbor. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I think there were kids there because you can see the outline of like a letter on the door mm -hmm. like you would put on a kid's room. Mm -hmm. She said, I've lived here since those houses went up and I have never seen a child at that house. That's so true. Mad. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, that's what freaks me out the most. And, you know, probably I, I hate moving to begin with. But mm -hmm. if I were to ever buy another house, I would hire a private investigator to do a complete background yeah. check on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. My my family basically was like, you need to go into every single room and like consecrate it with a Bible. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. So you know, there there was that the house itself came up that gave me two separate stories in the two different books. Mm -hmm. um, there, um, speaking of how women take things differently. Um, one of my stories was absolutely an interpretation of a time in my life when I had kind of like I had stepped out of the box mm -hmm. that was allowed for me. And so it's like not that women are punished or what have you, but like there are consequences for it. And there's a lot of restraint in these stories where you see here's women in a typical female convention and we're really straining against it. Like that thing becomes mm -hmm. the whole, it's the, the monster we can kill. It's the thing that makes us go crazy. Um, so that's what happens in these stories. And so the story I wrote was about, you know, when I was 17 and I knew everything and you know, I, 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 <laughs> bad things happen and exactly. I, into, I turned it into this horror story um but it's was remark here's something okay that i learned after cafe macabre the first was 
even though I had written fiction, I had written fiction before, I had never realized how much fiction is nonfiction. <laughs> and I think that that is also something I'm aware of because I am writing a lot of nonfiction now. So it's kind of like, well, wait a second. I'm trying to write about this moment in my life, but it's all here in this story that I wrote for a horror collection. So that's been really interesting to see how many of my writers are like, I'm actually writing about this person that I knew, or I'm writing about this thing that happened to me. And I think a lot of horror authors and fiction authors would say the same, but I just find that endlessly fascinating, um, just how we take our own experiences and like just wring them dry and hack them with knives and <laughs> do these horrible things. <laughs> some of the best writing, some of the best creative works is a blend and it's it's a yeah. hazy blend of fiction mm -hmm. and nonfiction blended together. Mm -hmm. uh, before we go, I want to ask you, um, so, I mean, you've been a writer your whole life. Uh, when did you, when did this passion in you start? Was it like, as far back as you can remember? Was it a certain point in your life? Yeah, um, like I have a long answer. I'll try to give you the short answer. Um, first, be, before my memory, apparently, I started writing my autobiography. My dad would always say, like, age four, the poet. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know if that's true. I don't remember. But um, I did. I always journaled in high school, uh, yada, yada. Having kind of gotten back in touch with a few friends from high school, they have more than one has told me independently of each other, well, you were always a writer. So, and I'm kind of seeing that now, like I just avoided it for a long time. I thought, well, I can get a job and a degree that will actually make me money and then write on the side, mm -hmm. which some people are able to do. I was not, I ended up getting a degree in English literature. <laughs> um, and, I just ran in circles around writing. I taught writing. I edited other people's writing. And then finally, it was in 2015 where I said, okay, no, I am going to do this. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it took me five years to say comfortably to someone, hey, I'm an editor. And then my goal is in another five years, I want to be comfortable saying I'm a writer. And as it happens, on Halloween of 2019... Is that right? Yes, 2019. Um, I was in Muncie, Indiana at the release of um, Cafe Macabre, and I went to the bar next door because, obviously, and I had the book with me, and the bartender said, hey, are you a writer? And I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> and so it worked. You know, I, I did. I had to finally say, you have to focus on just this. If you try to do all these other things, it's not going to happen. So, yeah, it, it took a long time to get here, but now I have, I have my hands everywhere when it comes to writing. I work for two different writer centers. I edit for several different people of all different genres and mediums. Um, Do you want to continue teaching as well? You know, I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I started the editing because I was leaving teaching. Um, okay. Because when two-thirds of your paycheck is going to go to daycare, <laughs> you might as well just stay home. Exactly. But I, I did not want to have the mom gap on my resume. And yeah. so that was six, six years ago. And um, 
Yeah, it's. I'd say in six years I'm doing. I feel pretty good about what I've done. I, I've got three books out, and um, that's awesome. And I don't plan on giving this up anytime soon. Like you can't say you're a writer and then say I used to be a writer. Like, have you ever heard someone say no. I used to no. be a writer? No, that's just not what happens. It's something <laughs> that's part of your your being, your fiber. It doesn't go away. Uh, yeah. So, so tell our audience where they can get Cafe Macabre and Cafe, Cafe Macabre Volume 2. Sure, yeah. Um, well, Cafe Macabre, the first, is available um, it, uh, on Amazon, ebook and print. Um, you can get it at my website, which is such a horrible mouthful. I'm so sorry. It's leahmcnaughtonletterman.com. So good luck spelling that. But if you just Google Leah Letterman, I will pop up. See I'm what so she does. Sorry. It was just one of those like things, mistakes you make. Um, <laughs> as of right now, Cafe Macabre 2 is only available on Amazon as an ebook. But if you want the beautiful, wonderful print edition with, I will tell you, all kinds of, let me find my, where, uh, where's my favorite one? Me personally, I prefer actual paper as opposed yeah, to ebooks. Yeah. And then here, because you can really get a yeah. good, at this wow. beautiful artwork, and there's one of these bad boys for every single story that's in here. So it's uh, it's a very layered book, and there's 20 women in the first, 26 in the second, and because there are some repeats in there, total combined is the work of 36 separate women from across the country. Now I gotta ask you, the artwork that you said there's at least one for every story, mm -hmm. uh, was that somebody separate who wrote Yes. The story that was brought in to do the art for that story? That's correct. With with a few exceptions of those bitches who can do it all. Um, you know who you are. You know I hate you. <laughs> um, there's a couple of them. And they, they're the ones who threw off the count for me. Because it's like, wait, now it's not 13 and 13. Anyway, it, it's a whole thing. So they screwed it all up. But yes, I had uh, I had my eye on several female artists that I know from the Comic-Con circuits, yeah. you know, I knew their work. Um, other people I just stalked relentlessly on their web pages and things like that. Um, there were some suggestions like, hey, I know this person, yada, yada. But yeah, the, with those few exceptions, every story is accompanied by a piece of art by a separate female artist. That's awesome. That is, you know, I, I'm going to pick them up. I'm going to read them. Of course, I'm a huge fan of horror. I'm going to pick them up. I'm going to read them and Great. I'll be like emailing you back and forth as I read each story probably. <laughs> yes, so. please do. I love to talk about things about me and things that I've done. <laughs> <laughs> so the books are called Cafe Macabre and Cafe Macabre Volume 2. You can pick them up on Amazon. Check them out. Sounds really fascinating. Leah, thank you so much for being our guest. Any thank final you. thoughts you want to share before we go? I just got to say, um, you if you want to write, you need to be writing. And no matter what you want to do, you need to be reading. <laughs> Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Thank you to Leah. Thank you to our audience for tuning in tonight. Until next time, on behalf of Leah Letterman and myself, stay safe, stay walking. Good night, everybody. Thank you.